Guy is brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. We're back again, gentlemen, for another week of books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. My name is Paul Elvis, and I am joined by Chris, Chris Jager. Chris Jager. Nice to be back in the groove again two weeks in a row. Let's keep it rolling. How you doing? And uh, Jim Phillips. Yes, I am here as well for another exciting installment. And Greg the Book Guyot joins us as well. I want my stinger. Where's my stinger? <laughs> uh, things we uh, should discuss beforehand, but uh, no. Okay. <laughs> if we discussed it beforehand, it wouldn't be funny. What's new, gentlemen? What's new? What are well, we reading? Greg's uh, hot off of a uh, very competitive lacrosse match. That's yeah, right. I How wasn't was... expecting to make it here tonight. How'd we do Got tonight? Uh, what's our uh, Toronto Rock lacrosse report? A Toronto Rock Lacrosse report would basically be this. If I could speak, then we would have won. <laughs> if, I, if I can speak, then we obviously lost. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it was close. It was fun. Uh, I've, I've been reading uh, not much, actually. I've got some uh, audiobooks on the go. I haven't had time to sit and read. I'm uh, just trying to find time to open a lot of these lovely books that I have sitting around here. I'm reading, uh, I'm starting The Inheritance Cycle. So uh, the Christopher Paolini, right? So I'm going to start with uh, Aragon. My uh, my cousin got that for Christmas, and he's in a twelve book series. Oh which man! Is, yeah, so he's <laughs> this, in the middle of twelve books. This is a twelve book series that you're starting, Greg? No, he's in. No, this is a four book series that I'm okay. starting. Uh, I'm, but he's in the middle of a twelve book. Which just brings me to a point. Like at some point in time, do you guys want to ever discuss like what's the deal lately with? serialized books all these books that we're reading lately have like four or five six parts yeah well let's break them up and uh you know make some money selling books turn them out i think yeah, so that's really what looks, the key, it's a way to make money is nowadays it's it's a good way to make money well wait a second you think uh george r martin is breaking up his you know each of his books is 500 pages with his history writing for television, yeah, I believe so. And he's actually he's writing the books uh, with the interwoven plots and uh, in an episodic format that is conducive of television. So, so I, actually, in that case, I do think he is. Yes, he's a genius. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we were talking briefly about uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, like Le Carre, right? I mean, he's basically written you know a bunch of serialized books. I mean, Tom Clancy, same thing. I don't think it's anything unusual, anything new. No. All right. I guess maybe books are a little bit more tightly woven together now. Like he's, yeah. George R. R. Martin's is one continuous story. This Aragon stuff is one story. Um, anybody going to do the Hunger Games anytime soon? That's another. That's another example of I have uh, way too much. Way too much on my book mountain. I think right now. Um, you know, I, I thought that I'd make the commitment to read all the books that we're going to review in books and film and television, but I just don't think. Looking at the upcoming, <laughs> well, looking at the upcoming movies this year, I just don't. There's so many movies coming from books this year that there's just no way. There's just so no many. Way. Like, give us. Can you give us the top of the list here? Can we jump into the show? Actually, before we do that, Jim, what's uh, what's on your list these days? What's uh, what's clogging up your your night table? Oh, not nearly as much as you guys. I just started um, a novella by a new author, Jennifer Leeper, called Padre. Uh, just getting into it. It's pretty good. Murder mystery, rom- uh, romance. Uh, what are you reading? <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's you know straight literature. 
It's uh, straight up literature. Okay. Just kind of a redemption story. Nice. I love redemption stories. You know, uh, we have a redemption story right now because l- last week uh, I promised big meat and I didn't uh, deliver. So I'll redeem myself right now. <laughs> All right. We were talking about last week, uh, the big meat app by Mr. Yes. LaFrida, Pat LaFrida. And uh, I don't believe we played the, uh, the clip on it. And uh, it really explains itself. It's a self-explanatory clip on, on the book. Uh, it's, it's actually, and I want to talk to you guys about this afterwards. I mean, this is actually an app, but in, in its, at its essence, it's, it's a book. So we'll, we'll hear the clip and then we'll chat a bit about that because uh, it's the kind of thing that starts off as an app. Never was a book, but in its book. We're going to pull that filet. Pull that filet, baby. Wherever it connects. Pat LaFrida is not the next top TV chef, but on the New York meat scene, he is a rock star. We are here at Porterhouse, New York, in New York City. LaFrida supplies some 600 restaurants in New York City alone. Now, LaFrida's opening his butcher shop to the digital world with a prime grade iPad app. We wanted to make it user friendly so that the public can see all the different options and different cuts and all the different types of meat. And it reads kind of like a book, too. I mean, there's video, like you have, what, 50 minutes of video in here? There's 50 minutes of video, and there's twice the amount of text that a normal book would have. Readers can learn about more than 400 cuts of beef, lamb, poultry, and pork. There's even lessons on how to grind meat and sharpen knives. And the more you use your knife, the more imperfections you're going to get on the actual sharp surface. So in the app, I saw that one of the things you go over is how to avoid a sucker steak. Can you explain what that is? (laughs) In the app, I call the porterhouse steak a sucker steak because on the porterhouse side, there's a huge vein that goes through. We call it a vein. It's really a nerve. While it's often the priciest cut on the menu, Lafrida suggests skipping the porterhouse and ordering the strip. But the piece de resistance of the app is Lafrida's dry age room, stocked with nearly a million dollars of flavor. So we have between five and 6,000 pieces of meat aging on these shelves. You can see things that are really, really fresh that we just put up compared to product that's about 10 to 12 weeks aged. So in this room, we have short loins, 109 rib steaks, and New York strip steaks. Anything any steakhouse in New York City would really want. We have about a million dollars worth of meat in here aging at any given time. And like all good cuts of meat, at $7, Pat LaFrieda's big app for meat isn't cheap. There's so much information, much more than any textbook could offer. And textbooks on this subject cost about $60, $70. So you basically made a $7 interactive textbook. Yes, without cutting any trees down. So uh, to give you a little flavor what the book is, is about right there, and I'm calling it a book because, uh, as he said, there's textbooks on this, uh, you know, on preparation of meat, and you're, you're paying $60, $70, and it's probably, they're probably really dry reads, where his app has got, it's got videos, uh, 3D, uh, everything. I mean, uh, audio clips, video clips, uh, full of information. What do you so want? this would be a really good interactive meat cookbook type of thing, but even better. Right, I mean, the, the iPad makes even butchers sexy. Right. <laughs> like, now you're going to have Pat, like a big name uh, celebrity butchers, Pat LaFrida, the big guy. Well, Who he's the big guy in New York. The day would come. Who knew? Who knew? But uh, there's a lot of books like that. There's that, that uh, the Solar System app, which is in, in its, again, at its core, it's a book. It's a bunch of information, text, uh, spiced up with uh, three-dimensional images, videos. 
So these are more like multimedia books, whereas their their 3D and video content is is so much that it won't fit the EPUB format. They end up in the App Store instead. So I, th- I think we'll cover any app that's uh, you know at its core a book. You know, we're gonna have to like redefine uh, what a book is when it comes to a textbook. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of the publishing houses are going to have to start looking at this because I think you're going to get to a point where an, uh, a book like Pat Lafrida's Big Meat app uh, is going to just you know wipe away all the other books on the subject that are just boring dead tree versions where you can have a you know bring your tablet out with you and, and watch a video of the guy showing you how to cook the steak rather than having to read it in a book with a you know pencil line drawing in it. I just uh, unpacked. I just uh, moved to a new city and I unpacked some boxes that I probably haven't looked in in 10 years, if not more. Obviously, actually, much more than 10 years because I found my first year physics textbook. Uh, an iPad app would have made my first year physics way easier to learn, I think. Right. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, one thing we haven't done on the show in a while, gentlemen, is recommend a podcast. And uh, I have found one in it's, I mean, uh, if, if, if some of our listeners, I know that a lot of our listeners don't listen to too many other podcasts. Uh, so uh, this is the one of the number, the top 10 podcasts, both in the States and in, uh, in Canada. And it's called This American Life. Now, it's a production of, I believe, Chicago Public Radio and uh, NPR as well. And uh, they basically take a bunch of people's stories and, uh, and put them together on a weekly basis. Based around a theme. Uh, based on a theme, yes. So it'll, it'll be done in either one act or three acts, and each act is a different person's put it together. And uh, I have a little quick clip from Christmas. This is the one that really got my attention and got me really uh, listening to this podcast. And uh, it is about a gentleman who, uh, at the age of 33, had to uh, take a job that he normally would not have. The woman at Macy's asked, Would you be interested in full-time elf or evening and weekend elf? I said full-time elf. I am a 33-year-old man applying for a job as an elf. I often see people in the streets dressed as objects and handing out leaflets. I usually avoid leaflets, but it breaks my heart to see a grown man dressed as a taco. So if there's a costume involved, I tend to not only accept the leaflet, but to accept it graciously, saying thank you so much and thinking, you poor son of a bitch. This afternoon on Lexington Avenue, I accepted a leaflet from a man dressed as a camcorder. Hot dogs, tacos, video cameras. These things make me sad because there's no place for them. No community. They don't fit in on the streets. I figured that at least as an elf, I will have a place. I'll be in Santa's village with all the other elves. We live in a fluffy wonderland surrounded by candy canes and gingerbread shacks. No, I'm going to cut that off a little bit short, but you get an idea there of the, the flavor of this thing. I mean, uh, these people are, are intelligent. Uh, some of them are writers. This, this gentleman actually is a writer, and his goal in life was to be a soap opera writer. And he, he goes on to tell his tale of uh, being the elf uh, during Christmas at Macy's. And, man, he's funny. Uh, yeah, and so far, every episode of the Ameri- This American Life that I've listened to um, is interesting. I mean, uh, here's the promo for next week. This week on This American Life, Mike Daisy was on an Apple computer fan site and read about a guy who bought an iPhone, and it wasn't blank. It had information on it from inside the factory. And in fact, in the camera roll, there were pictures on it from inside the factory. Mike stared at those pictures and flew to China stand outside the factory gates and meet these workers. 
that's the kind of thing that uh, you're getting. I mean, right away I said, well, what's on next week? And Paul, I should have read the show notes. I've been listening to uh, This American Life for probably about a year now. Uh, you just picked this up recently? I just picked it up recently. And one of the things that uh, I got to say, the thing that annoyed me about This American Life was yes. uh, thinking that it was a podcast, right? Which, which it is. Right. Uh, I go on iTunes and there's only one episode available. Now they I know only, I know they that, only put up one episode a week and then they take it down. And then they so take it down. A window to now, uh, one week window to listen to it. I was told by Apple that you cannot sell podcasts. So I was, I was told by by while well, I was reading the the thing you cannot sell your podcast they have to be free. Then I see something like this that gets around it. He, they put up one podcast and then you can buy it as a record album. <laughs> yeah. For 99 yeah. cents. I go, wait a minute. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I don't know why everyone is uh, no one else is allowed to sell their podcast, not even for ten cents, but these guys can. But whatever, uh, you well, know there, what? There's a lot of podcasts that do yeah, that. worth ninety nine no, cents. There are. Yeah, there are. Yeah, that's the base that charge money. Uh, but the the, the ninety nine cent units are not in the podcast section. They're they're in the music section. There's a uh, there's a show called The Debaters, which is uh, broadcast on CBC on Saturdays, and they sell their show as a podcast every week. Well, there you go. So. Somebody I'm, gets around it somehow. I'm positive that Ricky Gervais has a had a subscription. Uh, Ricky, no, Ricky Gervais sold uh, his. He took his podcast, put them together as an audiobook, and sold them. Because they, if you can show me where there's a, a paid podcast section, like I the, would the original love one. To see like it. we were talking like maybe five, six years ago, uh, before the current incarnation, when he was just sitting around by himself. That's okay. Hey, I, you know so what? without Steve Merchant and Carl Pinkington, which is Carl Pilkington, yeah. which is the guys <laughs> yeah. who really make us howl. Carl, Carl Pilkington can't howl. possibly be a real person. He's, he's <laughs> got to he's got to be like the, the no way he's got to be the Andy Kaufman of his time. Idiot, <laughs> idiot abroad. The uh, the TV show. I've uh, speaking of on the technology front here. I'm uh, I'm sporting a new Apple TV that's uh, that's been jailbroken. So I'm. Uh, Pulling in all kinds of interesting content, um, and I'm looking very much forward to getting a few episodes of the Idiot Abroad, in which would be uh, Carl in the flesh. There you go. Hmm. If I can bring nice. this back around to this American Life for a second, I'm I, I've never listened to the show, but I'm listening to your promos and your description, and all I can think is reality radio. <laughs> yeah, reality radio. Yeah. Well, it's true. Like yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know what the and, and okay. Uh, so okay. So so given that, as much as we all badmouth reality TV for usually very good reasons, why should I bother listening to reality radio? Well, these are more glimpses into the lives of real people rather than well, reality yeah, television reality is TV is highly contrived. Right. Now, I wouldn't suggest that the producers yeah. don't shape their stories, but at, at the heart, it's still proper storytelling. I'd say on in This American Life, whereas something like you know. Survivor is right, so, so it's kind of it's kind of like we're reality gonna, we're gonna, TV is reality in in its loosest form. It's, yeah. it's like we're we're gonna it's take not. a microphone and go talk to the people who make iPods in China, and that's the, the the sentence ends there. Where reality television would say we're gonna go over there, talk to people who make iPhones, and then make them fight each other on giant bouncing balls. You yeah, know, it's kind of where I the delineation is there, <laughs> and then heavily edited, right. Uh, Mr. Jim Phillips, I believe you have a book review for us this week or a, a chat about a book anyways. <laughs> I believe I do. You are correct, <laughs> sir. Uh, I, I just finished the latest from uh, Seth Harwood. Um, probably a lot of our listeners know Seth Harwood is one of the uh, 
if you will, one of if you will, one of the original uh, patio book authors with his uh, Jack Palms crime series, uh, and he just finished up his latest novel uh, called In Broad Daylight. Uh, really good, definitely a uh, thriller. Uh, kind of a turn for him. It's, I was a little nervous going into it because it's a it's a new character. First of all, it's a um, a lady by the name of Jess Harding, uh, who is a an FBI agent. And as soon as you just hear that, you can just see all of these tropes starting to fall out of the ceiling, and all of these traps that you could easily fall into. Um, but he does a good job. He he avoids most of them. He avoids most of them. Uh, comes out with a nice, tight little thriller. Uh, the first half of it takes place actually in Alaska. Uh, and Seth has definitely done his homework here. Uh, it, it, the uh, the setting and the the cities that and countryside that they visit uh, are very well described, very well realized. Um, the second half of the book finishes up in San Francisco, uh, but it's a great book. Everyone should go uh, go download it, listen to it, and buy it when it comes out uh, here shortly as an ebook. Yeah, he he was one of the top uh, authors there on PatioBooks.com. Also, a great site for our, our listeners to go check out for some yes. free audio entertainment. Yep. We've had a couple of authors from that uh, giving away their items for free have received uh, quite uh, good karma in return, and they're doing very well. Uh, New York bestsellers and and whatnot. So this yeah, is it's definitely character. been a great way to go. Sorry, this is a recurring character. Someone that we're going you're looking forward to seeing come back. Yeah, it's it's definitely written. I mean, it's pretty obvious that uh, you know we're going to see another uh, Jess Harding novel at some time in the future. Um, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I can I can see the character coming back, and there's there's definitely room for her to grow. Uh, Paula, so, yeah. ex, uh, explain the format for me here. Uh, this is a uh, uh, an audiobook that's been released in podcast serialized, or it's uh, a one yes. episode download. That's you can uh, they are uh, most of them when they're first released are released serialized, uh, but then they're stored on podiobooks.com. You can download the whole shebang. Uh, also, if you go to iTunes podcast section, sorry, the uh, yeah, the podcast section, uh, and search for Podio Books, you'll find uh, you'll find Seth Harwood, you'll find uh, Scott Sigler, all the, all the guys from all the authors from there, and a lot of them have done very well. So they they release a, uh, a podcast of the book, and then they release it in print afterwards. Uh, some of them have released in print afterwards. Some do it simultaneous. Uh, a lot of them have just released a free audiobook. Here it is. Enjoy it. If you like it, buy my book. And apparently it seems to be a very good uh, business model. Do they read them themselves? Uh, some do. Yes. Yep. Scott, it's usually. Yeah. No, so it Seth Harwood. You it yourself, yeah. Yeah. Seth Harwood reads it. reads all his stuff himself. Uh, Scott Sigler does. You know, Mer Lafferty. Um, you know, most, most of them do, which I think, it, which I think, which I think definitely adds something you know, to the novel to hear it in the author's own voice. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, and uh, although you, you'd sort of hope that he has a good radio voice, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> but then again, you don't need it. I mean, I mean, like if Woody Allen writes something, and he, he writes, you know, he, he definitely doesn't have that radio voice. But you know, it's just hearing the inflection of the original guy who wrote the words, right? Makes I don't know if difference. I'd be able to sit through uh, Woody Allen reading an entire book to me. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough. That would his voice annoys me. Sorry, Woody, if you're listening. <laughs> he, he's not really Woody I love your work but I don't want you to read a book to me I'm sorry 
Bye, Woody. We're going to take a quick break, Woody. <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. This is Gabrielle DeCure, the voice of Valentine in Ender's Game. And you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Hi. Now that I've got your attention, I'd like to tell you about a great little podcast. Well, okay. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's hosted by me, Alex the Movie Guy. I work for Kaiser Soze. Anyway, every week I get together with Weekly Animated's David Hickson. These men are the leaders of a terrorist organization wanted for the abduction of a little monkey. Well, no. We're movie opinionists who give our thoughts about films new and old. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Check out our show. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's part of the Bear Crawling Nation. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hey, this is Jeff Smith, the guy who does all the jingles from thejeffsmith.com, and you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Book news. Let's do the book news. Why not? <laughs> because we can. Uh, I don't. I, I don't news. have much, Greg. I don't know what you got there. I know we didn't have much time to to prep here. I found. Uh, one book by a, uh, a gentleman, a uh, rabbi, actually, Rabbi Shmuley Botich. Uh, yeah, you know what? Any opportunity to say Shmuley Botich, yes. it's, it's news. <laughs> Shmuley Botich. He, he's famous uh, for doing a, a, the kosher series of books. Uh, he does little risque topics. Um, now, he's never published in Israel. He's always published in the United States. Uh, he has bestsellers like Kosher Sex, Kosher Adultery, The Kosher Sutra. <laughs> Okay, and uh, <laughs> and uh, now he his new book Kosher Jesus. Uh, it's going to be his first book published in uh, in Israel as well as uh, North America. Uh, he's talking about. Um, he basically says that the time has come for uh, for Israelis for for, the, for Jewish people and Christians to embrace the 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 Jewish side of Jesus, who of course was a Jew his entire adult life. Um, and, uh, it's, although it's a hot topic, then again, you know, he's done like the kosher sutra, you know, so this probably isn't his most controversial work, but he just feels now that, uh, with so many, uh, uh, Christians, even, uh, Christian evangelicals in the States embracing, uh, the Holy land of Israel and vice versa, that it was, it would be time for the, the Jewish and the, and the Christian peoples to get together and, uh, explore the, their common, the commonality they have. And as far as, uh, the, uh. I almost said the character. I don't want to offend our our religious listeners, but I was going to say the character of Jesus. But the, let's we'll say the person of Jesus. And uh, it looks that one's coming out this year. It's uh, out I don't soon. Think you, I don't think you avoided offending anyone there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I offended. Hopefully, I offended everyone equally. There, that you probably did. <laughs> this is good. There's there's no need to discriminate when you're offending people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, other book news. Uh, I don't have any. How about that? How about that? There you go. All right. Well, I've got uh, I've got some stuff, but it's mostly uh, books on film and television. It's like I had the button myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Real? Smooth guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, Smooth. that's the way it's, it's supposed to work. Greg, you called you had you called the audible there. I heard I heard we we have to come up with the code phrases. We're not quite there at that level of sophistication, but I know like Curry and Dvorak have code phrases that they'll pass back and forth, like, and maybe we should, you know. Yes. Well, you know me. I'm always looking to attain the the status of Curry and and Dvorak. (laughs) 
Mm. All right. So uh, my, my little bit this week, Akira, we were talking about that uh, several weeks ago uh, in the earlier, the previous year. Uh, that's been canceled. Uh, all the actors have been sent home. So nice. that is once again on hold due to uh, financial pressure. Uh, that, this is a production that has already had its budget cut twice. Um, it's a very ambitious. Uh, it's a very ambitious endeavor, anyways. It's going to be very high in CG value. It's going to be, require a lot of um, post-production CG. Right. And uh, this is the kind of. This is one of those ones that if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. Kind of like. Uh, kind of like the Dark Tower series. If you're not going to put the money into it, please don't bother. Right. And, and, and I mean, they, they've paused it before, right? So uh, this could yeah. be uh, resuming as soon as someone else pulls out another wad of cash. It could come back. Um, but right now, the uh, Warner Brothers is having a little bit of financial troubles. Um, they're looking to cut some corners. They also, uh, coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, but at the same time, they also paused um, the production of Arthur and Lancelot. So that's book news as well. Yeah. So at the same time, those those were both filming in Vancouver. Um, I, I recently saw the uh, the trailer for GI Joe Retribution. Now you know I hated the first one, uh, even though as a as a child I, I enjoyed reading the GI Joe comics. I love um, playing with GI Joes. What did you think of the trailer, Paul? Um, I like the fact that uh, they're going to kill off all the all the characters that weren't in the comic books in like the first act of the movie. <laughs> It's like, oh no! All the GI Joes are dead except for us, the characters you remember from the comic books. I'm, I'm sitting you, there going, the "Ones you played with, yeah. <laughs> problem solved." That's good for me. You know, it'd be like starting a movie called the Twenty Eight Amigos, and then you know, in the in the sequel, <laughs> twenty five of them die. I'm good with that. Yeah, looks interesting. It's Bruce like Willis, army, like the army of sh- Smurfs. None of them. None of them having any defining qualities. So they're just Smurfy Smurf and Smurfy Smurf. And apparently, there was an issue with with the Smurfs and uh, and Disney owning uh, uh, trademarks on some of them, and they didn't like. Uh, I believe it was Grouchy became Grumpy, or Grumpy became Grouchy. I'm not. I can't remember which one is which. But they had to switch a name on one of the Smurfs because uh, uh, the Disney had claim to the the trademark from the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Did it take away from your experience, yeah. your enjoyment of the Smurfs movie? <laughs> I was there. Let me guess, you didn't see it. (laughs) Did not see it. (laughs) I'll lend you my DVD. The kids love it. Do they? Um, Do the the kids love it? No, the kids love the Smurfs. Hey, kids always love Smurfs. Little blue things. Yeah. While while we're on uh, film and television, we have to mention that uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy opened this week. Yes. I I believe none of us have seen it yet. No. None of us have seen it yet. All all the reviews point to uh, it should be a pretty good... uh, should be a pretty good ride. Excellent. Yep. Looking forward good to it. Reviews. I'm a, a Look Array fan. Um, the Firm is uh, starting on television tomorrow night. So that's going to be an interesting adaptation to, to see the, uh, the Firm coming to television rather than the movies. We'll see how they're going to be able to serialize that. Hmm. And that has one of my favorite Canadian actors, um, whose name, of course, I forget right now. Uh, Come on, the, the the comedian. Paul Gross. No, not Paul Gross. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Sean Majumder. Sean Majumder. Come on, Sean Majumder's awesome. <laughs> I know. What was he in again? Sean Majumder. Twenty-four. This. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. 
He also had uh, he was in this hour has twenty two minutes. Yeah, no. he's got a long career in, in but uh, our American listeners will probably only recognize him from twenty four. Twenty four. He's go. he's actually a comedic actor. And uh, remember last week we were talking about uh, Stevenson and uh, his books going to film and television. Uh, I actually found a clip of uh, him disgui- uh, describing why his books would probably never go to movies. My books, ever since uh, I would say uh, Snow Crash, are simply too long to be made in the movies. It's just as simple as that. A short story is about the right length to make into a, a movie. Uh, a, a novel of any length uh, is more of a stretch. And when you start writing big novels um, or series of novels, uh, it simply isn't possible to do a movie adaptation. Um, I do think that um, the, the long-form miniseries uh, adaptation is a possibility with some of these. We've seen some really good ones lately, like Game of Thrones. Uh, the, the miniseries is kind of the only screen medium I've seen that uh, has uh, a scope that uh, competes with what the novel has to offer. And so um, I think that's a possibility, but uh, it's not, uh, I haven't had any serious discussions along those lines yet. You know, it's been pretty quiet ever since I started, ever since I went long. So Cryptonomicon onwards, uh, those are uh, of of very limited interest to uh, the the film industry. Basically, if if your book is three inches tall, uh, you scare away all the TV people. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, Neil's a pretty dry guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more with him. I mean, uh, I mean, as much as I loved uh, Snow Crash, I couldn't imagine that. No, fitting that into an hour, even two and a half hours. Yeah, that'd I have to be a, a, a whole season of a TV series. You know? I wouldn't watch a whole series. It doesn't. It's not. It's not episodic. There's no. Dude, there's a guy driving a motorcycle that has a nuclear bomb on it. Okay, never mind. There's a, there's a flotilla <laughs> of like world leaders like anchored out in the ocean somewhere. There's a pizza delivery man who's going, a- who's on national television. His name is Hero Protagonist, and there's a, a, and a courier with this super device that we've with a, all with imagined. a super skateboard. Yeah, yeah, the super skateboard. I, it, it's a fantastic novel. I love it to death, but I, I can't see it coming to any sort of you, visual media. You know, I'm I, with you on that, Greg. You know, some, sometimes we, we we talk about not wanting to see books going to uh, to, to movies, but uh, I happen to catch the the movie The Help. Uh, by by Stockett, uh, the, the movie version, and it was fantastic. They really uh, captured the essence of the book, and it's the kind of thing that, uh, having just read the the book, The Help, a couple months ago, I don't think I ever brought that one to the show. I should sometime and talk about it. I guess I am now. It's still the uh, number one, still number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, you know what? It's still on the uh, iTunes uh, audiobook uh, bestseller list. I gotta say, they found some fantastic actresses to do the voices of all the various maids. Uh, the Help is a story, basically, of uh, of, a, of a white lady in uh, in the Southern United States who decides in the nineteen fifties, I'm going fifties, to um, to write the story of the Help, the story of the of the black uh, housewives, not housewives, the black uh, servants, from their perspective and what they really, really felt, how they felt about being in the position that they were. And this is a time of uh, racial uh, strife in the United States and uh, a fight for equality. And uh, it's just a beautiful story. It really is. Uh, the audiobook is fantastic. The voices, the, the acting that goes into that audiobook. Uh, highly recommend that one. PaulTheBookGuy.com slash Audible. You can get it free. 
um, just for hey, signing up for a free trial. Are we uh, shilling now? Do you yeah, guys want to do the absolutely. Think Geek, uh, item of the week? <laughs> we could. Because I, I have one. Do you have? Okay, what did you get? Yeah. What did you get? Hang on. I got to find right. I have. I know I have a jingle for it that ties. Somewhere. It ties. We'll play the jingle. What the hell? We have it somewhere. You're going to think this was planned even. <laughs> no, if it would have been planned, I would have had my jingle up. Here it oh, goes. Right. The Think Geek Item of the Week from thinkgeek.com. Now, we don't play the jingle or do it every week because we really want to order the items and we like them and then we talk about them. So it, it, even though it is, it's a Think Geek item of this week, not of every week. <laughs> and how do, how would we benefit by people uh, taking advantage of this Think Geek thing? Like, how uh, does Paul the Book Guy benefit we, we, from this? They, they, they benefit by getting a deal at uh, paulthebookguy.com slash thinkgeek and we benefit by getting a small portion of the sales. Oh. Uh, what did you pick up? I am looking at something called um, the boxed set of Game of Thrones. I think it's called. Very nice. Twenty nine ninety nine. I think I've books. heard of that. Yeah. Game of so Thrones, eh? It's so. How can you? It ties into it. Stevenson was just saying it ties in because we've reviewed all the books. It ties in because we love the, the television series, and it's a Think Geek item of the week. Rather than going to your local store. And buying it there for umpteen gajillions of dollars, go to thinkgeek.com. And have it delivered to your front door. Have it That's delivered right. to your front door. <laughs> you know, how, how much does that weigh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably quite Just, a bit. <laughs> do you want to put it in my basket and get an estimate on shipping right now? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so this is a boxed set of all the novels? Is that what this yes. is? That's the bo- first four. The novels thus far. So it's Game of Thrones, Clash of Kings, Storm of Swords, and Feast for Crows. They, they also had the deluxe edition, just to add in here, the, of the Lord of the Rings, of the, the first book. Uh, and, uh, oh, no, of the trilogy, sorry. It's, that was it's, the thing of the week a couple months back. Yeah, and I, I just got to reiterate, it's, it's, it's probably it, they, uh, they claim it's the the best looking best bound version of it, it was like a hundred dollars but it is the whole story in one uh lethal book you kill someone with it one lethal book all right uh coming to uh film coming to the screen in january a couple movies uh one that we need to we need to talk about kevin uh this is based on a novel by uh, lionel shriver it's coming out january 13th and basically this is uh, the story of a teenage boy who uh, goes to high school and uh, goes on a killing spree. And it's basically the story of the family uh, after that, dealing with the grief and the feelings of responsibility. So that's uh, going to be an interesting one coming out January 13th. And another one called Coriolanus. And that was, uh, this is based on a play by, again, someone by the name of William Shakespeare. Sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. That sounds Saints. so familiar. Might be a pseudonym. No, this is an adaptation. Name. Yeah, this is a pen name. This is an adaptation of William Shakespeare's uh, classic play. Uh, it brings uh, brings the um, hero from Rome uh, into the modern age. So he's now more of a modern age mercenary. Looks really good. It's got Ralph Fiennes in it as uh, Coriolanus. And uh, it also has Gerard Butler in it, and it looks to be really good. I mean, it's got a great starts off with a great story, so uh, it's a good month for books in film. Yeah, it's also going to be a good. Uh, when when does Game of Thrones start back up again, Chris? I have no idea. 
I'm going to go pick up on that one. Well, you guys know me that uh, I've, I've, I've read the books. The books have got, got me gripped. I watch the TV show now just just to sort of satisfy my curiosity. So, yes, I'll watch it when it comes out, but I'm not going to be lined up uh, behind the PVR to, uh, to get it uh, get it recorded. Yeah, like you guys. Uh, when is it when is it coming up I was, April 19th uh, oh. April 19th oh that long I, that might, I long. might have to finish the second book then before then hey let me ask you guys all of you when was the last time you watched a Shakespeare film wow uh, <sighs> quite a I while seen, about that? I haven't seen a Shakespeare film since my friend Kathleen took me to go see a, the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet mm, I want to say Hamlet or Mac- what you do about nothing hey, can you guys what stop you, saying the name didn't he do Macbeth Podcast as well? is going to burn. Oh, why? <laughs> You're not supposed to say the name. Oh, no, that's the, oh, that's the so other one. Sorry. <laughs> That'll be the mm one, not the huh one. All right. Oh. <laughs> you have to be there. I remember it was Kenneth Branagh, and it had a uh, – it had a last. that's the first and last movie I ever went to that had an intermission. Wow, that had to be Hamlet. He did a uh, – Kenneth Branagh did a long – Adaptation of Hamlet. Yeah, it's probably it. How about uh, Jim, Paul? Uh, pff, long time, no. Uh, I saw one and I don't remember who was in it, but it was a, a modernized version of one of them. It was really Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah, that was that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, that was that, it for me. That would be it for me too. I'd then. rather watch yeah. West Side yeah. Story. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought the, the Baz Luhrmann one was great. So that was good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Jim, how about you? Yeah, I can't remember. I'm trying to think. The uh, <laughs> the, the you can tell I have a, a young son. The only thing I can come up with is the uh, the animated uh, Nomeo and Julia. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. That counts. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, you you have got your tablet. It's been a few weeks now. Uh, I just want to know what what are you doing on it? Are you are you still uh, playing with it? Are you uh, reading your books on it? Uh, for our uh, listeners who are joining us just this week, uh, I have a Barnes & Noble book nook that I have rooted and loaded up a version of Gingerbread, uh, so Android 2.3. Um, and it's been you know adapted uh, sort of for tablet use. Uh, I use it mostly for uh, web surfing and just you know quick checking email accounts. So it's um, very easy to pick up, cruise through. Um, I do a little bit of book reading on it too, actually. Books Under Glass. We talked about this often. And what app are you using? Um, uh, for the Android, I'm using an app called Aldilco. It's the, probably one of the worst named apps. Yeah, that uh, sounds kind of blue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It sounds to me like a Steve Martin movie from the 70s, Sergeant <laughs> Aldilco. Sounds like a porn from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It works exactly like iBooks. You get a little bookshelf. Nice. You know, you can select stuff off it. It gives you little covers, the whole deal. So, yeah, I, I, I've been uh, trying to use iBooks more or the the Kindle app more, just because uh, I know that they've stopped uh, the uh, supporting stanza. So I know eventually stanzas are just going to crash and not work on a future iteration of my. That blows because my preferred method is still uh, the iPod Touch with stanza. Yeah, well, Amazon bought Stanza, so yeah, and they're I killing know. it. So, happens all the time. What are you gonna do? Thank God, a lot of my EPUBs don't have DRM on them. So, Jim, are you an ebook guy at all? Oh yeah, yeah. I use I use the uh, Barnes and Noble Nook. 
the just okay. the e-reader, not the tablet. Right. There you go. So, what device do you read on then? The Nook. <laughs> I thought you, I'm sorry. I thought you said you just use the. the yeah, uh, not the Nook. Yeah, the the Nook e-reader. The Nook e-reader. Okay, yeah. cool. Right. I, well, I, I, exactly. I, I use the Nook application on my on my uh, Android phone as well, but that's where I misunderstood. I thought you said yeah. that you were just using the yeah the application. No, okay. no. Is, I also have no, the just the straight Nook, the Nook two. Is, is nobody going to comment on the fact that he said the Nook e-reader? <laughs> yeah, listen, we're not hacking Grandma's Nook in this episode. Uh, it's, um, we've had uh, we've done it many many jokes about the uh, yeah. hacking Granny's Nook. And I, I find myself using my my phone a lot for the same reason. It's the only digital camera I own now. I find myself reading on it a lot because I don't have my iPad with me or a novel or a hardcover. And I just always have my phone in my pocket. And I find myself going to it and just opening up the Amazon app and, and reading the, you know, continuing my book. Just, you know, mind you, there's like seven words on the page, you know, and I just flip it. It's a lot of flipping. Getting a lot of thumb numbness here. <laughs> what can you do? How's life with the new iPad, uh, Greg? I uh, haven't gotten into um, to reading on it just yet. I, I know uh, my wife uh, had me set her up with an Amazon account so we can we can do that. Uh, I think she's going to be using the uh, Amazon app. Is there an Amazon app? I don't know. And uh, so no, I haven't actually been doing any any uh, reading on it yet. I plan on doing some once I kind of personalize it a little bit more. That's the thing about having a an iPad that's for the family. It doesn't become yours. It's not something that you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're hacked. It's Look. not convenient. Right. To, yeah, no. You know, it's, it's yours. Do, does, yeah. yeah. Does your uh, Android have the ability to do, um, user logins? Mine does not. No. But yeah. Not that I've looked for it either. Yeah. I don't think the nook does either. Yeah. I mean, if I someone's think, got to address this. I think amongst us, I'm unique in that in that uh, situation where that's something that I would require. Yeah, but you know but what? Anyone who's bought an iPad who has small children, whether they intended to or not, it eventually becomes theirs and their children's. And, yeah. you know, so this is something they have to address at some point, a way of switching it over to kid mode. And you know, there you right. go, kid. Don't drop it in the, on the floor. But you know, at least well, that I way your kid can't fax you know pictures of its butt. Oh wait, never mind. I was thinking I of high school. <laughs> I don't want to sound in, uh, ungrateful. I mean, it, it's a fantastic uh, product, and, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's just there's certain things that you know you would, some other people would be doing with theirs that I haven't started to do with mine because of concerns with content getting into the wrong eyes. I'll say this. I, I do have an app running on my Android tablet right now that allows me to pick and choose uh, which apps are locked. Right. On, a, on an app-by-app well, basis. Well, so you nice. have to put in the, type in the code to get into you each particular app? Type in the, well, any one that I select. So mm-hmm. like, at, at the moment, I've only got, say, say, my Gmail locked, right? So if anybody picks it up, they don't start going through my mail. Uh, but if they want to, you know, play chess or if they want to, you know, see what's in my, you know, Eldilco, you know, book reader, they can go ahead. Uh, so if you had kids, you could easily, uh, you know, lock off, you know, the, Just the more adult books that right. you're reading or, you know, whatever content you have on it that you feel wouldn't be appropriate. Well, for that, kids. that would make sense. Yeah. I'm still going through this, uh, the Star Wars year by year visual chronicle. I'm just, uh, it's taking up a lot of my time as well. It's really, really cool. Uh, I took it into school the other day and all the Star Wars geeks just went absolutely nuts. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about it now? Uh, sure. I mean, it's what, it, what we have is a 300 plus page uh, tome 
Is it, would you consider beautiful. it a bathroom Bible? Mm, too big. Too big. Doesn't, oh, doesn't fit, get doesn't, out. Too big. Doesn't, does not fit on the back. Of the, there you go. Doesn't fit on the back of the tank. That's the first time I had a jingle aborted because it was too big. <laughs> jingle abort. 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 <laughs> pull up. Pull up. So, the, so the, like, so this is a big uh, tome. Is this kind of the size of like the Marvel one you had before? That Marvel Comics, uh, uh, yeah, Bible uh, encyclopedia. A little bit, uh, a little bit larger in wow. height, height and and length, and a little bit thicker. Um, all full color, glossy pictures. Many, many pictures and stories per page, uh, and it goes goes through. Starts in the uh, mid '60s and goes through to modern day. Uh, it starts off with a precursor to all the Star Wars uh, books. Uh, sorry, the Star Wars movies. Um, going through uh, what the inspirations were for Lucas. Uh, and and it's it's very well researched, very well researched, and and he there's even some indication of which uh, comic books and stories, uh, Kurosawa, for example, that he just plain old stole. Right. The, just some of the ideas that he plain old stole. There's some even some pictures in there of comic book covers where you say, well, that's Darth Vader right there, five <laughs> years before. Has any one of you watched the movie Seven Samurai Kurosawa? I haven't. It's been oh, yeah. on, many, it, many, many times. Many, many times. times. Is it all it's cracked up to be? Yes. Oh, man. See, it's been on my to-watch list for ages. And I, I'm the kind of guy I don't like to watch movies by myself. And I can't find somebody to watch it with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, some, of, some of Kurosawa's films, they're, they're all good. You know, Some of them are definitely... They take a little effort to watch. They're a little slow, a little drawn out, but Seven Samurai is just a brilliant film. So, so Greg, start, do, they, do they use the size of the book for the for the, a lot of the images? Like, do they do full page? Uh? Oh, on mine, yeah, it's many. Uh, they're not full pages, no. Uh, in addition to that, they do some. They do a lot of uh, introspective looks at what's going on. Uh, in the world at that point in time, so like JF, not JFK getting assassinated, but things like uh, well, JFK, Ronald, Ronald assass- Reagan being shot, Ronald Reagan <laughs> being shot. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> that um, would have been at the right time. Uh, no, yeah. nice. So it, it takes it all the way to um, through all three films and through all three films, then the uh, then the prequels, and then in addition to that, it, it highlights the games. The novels, the cartoons, the wow. comic books, um, the Christmas awards, special, the Christmas special. Is yes, it in there? A, <laughs> yes, it, there is. A, there is a picture. The notorious Christmas special. The Christmas special. There's a picture of C3PO and R2D2 uh, with their Santa hats. Because yeah. that was a bad that's Christmas great. special. I mean, one of the worst. Oh, the that, that's bordering on like Doctor Whoey. I don't know if you guys have seen the Doctor Whoey video, but uh, you can Google Doctor Whoey or Captain Whoey. Yeah, he's a Turkish guy who's redone Star Trek and Doctor Who. So yeah, it was kind of like a, the Turkish version of Star Wars with some Christmas thrown in. Pretty bad. Didn't Chewbacca have a family? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, and yeah, it was bad. That's terrible. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so uh, tablets. Just just to revolve back to the tablets, gentlemen. Um, has anyone used a tablet yet to go to like the uh, the library and actually rent a book or not rent but uh, take a book out of the library with their tablets yet? No, I did no. not. I've tried and failed. Tried and failed, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Explain. Well, I think I think I uh, did. You go in or did you do it online? I did it online. 
Okay. Yeah, with our library, you have to do it online. I think I might have mentioned a little bit about this uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, our, our library uses um, the Adobe Digital Editions. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, so first out. you have to reserve you know, what you want to read, and there's nothing in the ebook catalog that's Is it like worth a Netflix reading. of uh, libraries? <laughs> you know, so, the, so the one or two books that might be worth reading you know, it takes months for them to become available. And then once they become available, then you have to download them and unlock them with uh, Adobe Digital Editions, which I still have not been able to get work. Nice. So uh, it keeps, you know, refusing me to uh, unlock the file. So I've pretty much just given up on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. I'm still going to eventually get and renew my, my library card. I think the last one I had, I was about knee high height, but uh, I'm still going to do that and try to get on the uh, Toronto system here and, uh, give my report if you do that i'll try to get on the mississauga system and give you my report maybe we should set a date for that yeah there you go oh my goodness we're gonna make this a project a project <laughs> i'm now in london ontario but i had a valid uh valid library card up until the day i left uh, the last city that i lived so yeah, well, it should well, be all right. fortunately, fortunately the paper library around here works very well so um, I yeah, that's the thing. That, that, that constantly. It usually works flawlessly, right? The old yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there's uh, no technological hurdles to overcome with that one. Although, although I gotta say, I mean, uh, getting a digital library book out of the library might be a little bit better because you wouldn't have those. Uh, I don't know. We'll call them questionable stains on some of the pages. I'm just saying. Who's? I, I who's can't say that that's a problem I've ever what, had. What library? What are, you, what are you taking out? Are you like National Geographic's from like Africa 1968? I mean. <laughs> <sighs> Good times, baby. Good times. Hey, you guys want a little bit of other, uh, I've got some more news and film and television. Just, again, maybe tie this all together. Tie it all the, together. The, the sword master for the Lord of the Rings passed away on January 1st. The guy who did all the sword, uh, sword fighting choreography and, and, uh, and that type of thing for the Lord of the Rings died. And coincidentally, he is the third Vader. What I mean by that is he is, uh, and this is, comes straight from that book that I'm reading or absorbing. Uh, there were basically three parts to Vader. One was uh, David Prowse, who who was the body of it, the, the physical uh, manifestation. The physical, yes. Who they didn't tell until it actually screened. They they never told him that he wasn't going to be the voice. <laughs> he was delivered him. lines actually. So he's doing his lines like Luke, yeah. Luke, you're my son. And yeah, they're like, he's, uh, and yeah. he's a he's a British um, he's a British bodybuilder. So he did just didn't have the voice right. So then there's the James Earl Jones, which we all know. But then, and it, this didn't come out until the 80s in an interview with Mark Hamill, that um, there was actually a gentleman by the name of Bob Anderson who was an Olympic um, fencer and uh, actually taught dueling to uh, the uh, British Navy. He a, a fantastic <laughs> life. He 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 did all the the uh, the choreography for the original Star Wars, and he did all of the uh, all of the swordplay in the Vader costume for both Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, and you know, when he was doing the, he did the, the Lord of the Rings, he must have been in his late 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he lived a very long and, and a prosperous life. Very interesting man. Boy, so, I am working on, like, the most boring stuff. If I could have spent my life dueling. <laughs> no kidding. Fencing, yeah. 
when I get my electronic library account set up, I'm going to the first book I take out is going to be on dueling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, not dueling in the like you know twenty paces with no 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 dueling with swords. Yeah, dueling with swords. Dueling, oh, I, you know, it's been romanticized the whole dueling with swords, but I think most sword duels in history it was pretty much one stroke like you know the one guy who connected he won or if both connected nobody won i, I don't see this being like an mma with a long blade right yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I think there's probably some form and decorum that they tried at least to uh follow uh, I, don't, to I don't know have you seen a mace there was no form and decorum it was Kill, I'm not speaking kill open battle being, here, but when you had killed. a duel, you know, like I, you know, you take off your glove and, you know, slap the guy. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And okay. then you got to meet, you know, at dawn and you got to have your seconds and all that business. I've mean, I, I read Count of Monte Cristo, you know, I've, I've read Three Musketeers. I think that they actually, you know, went through with the theater of it. Right. Anyway, yeah. dueling. I could have spent my life dueling. dueling. Oh. Speaking of dueling, I kind of I also made a commitment to myself to try and uh, pick up and read all of the uh, Richard Castle novels this year. Oh, yeah. How many are there? Uh, three now. I think there's three. Jim, Greg is a fan of the uh, the show Castle. Are you familiar with the uh, with the premise? Uh, unfortunately, I am not. Greg, That's give it. him a give him a quick fill in. So what we have here is a cross. Uh, cross-pollination of uh, book and television. And we have uh, one of our favorite actors, Nathan Fillion, famous for uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-song blog and Firefly, Canadian boy from Edmonton. And uh, he plays Richard Castle, and a novelist who is uh, kind of through hooks and crooks set as uh, the unofficial partner of new, with a New York a detective by the name of uh, Beckett, and they go along and uh, solve crimes. He's a writer, and she's a detective. And at the end of every season, during every season, he's writing a novel. At the end of the season, or in close to the, the, the beginning of the next season, they actually release the book that he talks about in the previous season. So after the first season of uh, Castle was complete, um, I think in the very last episode, they showed the release party for uh, his first novel, which was Heat Rises, right. which they actually released in paper. So it's kind of a neat thing. We don't actually know who's writing the novels, but the novels get that little bump from the television program and vice versa. There you go. It, it's an interesting concept to me, and I should read the novels. I'm enjoying the television show so much. My yeah, wife I, I would, I, I would uh, like to see what the quality of the novels would be, seeing as, uh, you know, but uh, they've got quite a good audience for the, the thing. Still no idea who the ghostwriter is, though. Uh, it's just speculated that it's a, one of the writers on the show, but I don't think that they would have that kind of time. No, no not if they're writing a TV show full-time. No. Really. Uh, looking forward to next week, gentlemen. Uh, we've got about three minutes left in the show, but uh, maybe we can uh, let the people know what we're working on. Um, I think I'm gonna. I have a couple of interesting books that I'm gonna bring. Uh, I have an audio book uh, about zombies. It's called "Zombies Ain't Funny." So we'll bring that one next week. I'm just working on that now. I'm gonna be bringing some uh, books in film and television, and I think we might have a special treat. I'm fairly certain that my daughter really, really, really wants to do her book review on uh, 
the uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid something Chronicles. Cool. You know that one that, that one that came out this year and and was top of the New York Times bestseller list. She read it and she is very excited to maybe have a couple minutes of everybody's ears and uh, discuss it. Live on the show, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> What's the worst could happen on a first live show? Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm wrapping up uh, JFK, um, Stephen King's last book. Ah, yes. 150 pages ago. Uh, Paul, I know you reviewed it, but uh, when I'm done it, I'm going to bring it next week and uh, maybe we can all chat about it some Absolutely. more. Absolutely. We'll have some conversation about it. It's our show. We can talk about whatever we want. That's right. <laughs> and... And I have no idea what I'll be bringing next week. Who knows what will happen next? Um, and uh, as we I'm were just, not no dear listeners, make sure you return next week. Yes, as we <laughs> were alluding to uh, the 15th of January, join us at alltalk247.com slash chat or paulthebookguy.com slash chat and uh, we will be live and we'll have uh, the chat room up. I mean, we're not going to be uh, talking directly to the chat room during the show, but... Uh, uh, we may be sticking around after the show and uh, chatting with everyone in the chat room, uh, but uh, we, we're not going to be doing a, you know where we're staring at the chat room for the whole show. We're going to be talking some books and audio books. Uh, Are we going to have a chat room moderator for that? Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Jimmy is going to be our chat room liaison, and uh, we'll probably have a segment in the show where he uh, brings uh, to our attention some of the uh, commentary happening in the chat room. I just think it would be too distracting. Uh, I've listened to podcasts where they're listening to the chat room for the whole show, and it does get uh, a little bit annoying. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you for having a moderator, and uh, uh, definitely please, listeners, join us in the chat room, or, or that entire segment is going to be dead. Yeah, Sunday, Janu- <laughs> January the uh, 15th. Yeah, join us January 15th, 9.30 p.m. on Sundays, and I think we're going to be live every Sunday after that at 9.30 Good times, good times. Excellent. It's a great, uh, great show tonight, boys. Thanks very much. It's been a lot of fun. We have uh, still got a minute left. <laughs> but now, now is your time to shine, gentlemen. Anything you want to say, here it is. <laughs> Jim, how do you feel about doing that uh, rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody we were checking our sound levels with uh, before the show started up? <laughs> uh, I think we want our <laughs> listeners to come back uh, next week. <laughs> Oh, that would I, be fun. I told you guys that there's a standing rule in my house that I'm not allowed to impersonate uh, Freddie Mercury when I'm playing rock band, right? I'm not allowed to sing the Queen songs. <laughs> I knew the timer, the timer would eventually come story. up. <laughs> Greg, next time Candace is out, we're going to do some rock band. i got to see you Freddie Mercury. Oh, I'm so glad. All right. Now, the music is actually automatic now, and I'm glad it came over. But it, folks, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, my name is uh, Paul the Book Guy, and I'll see you next week. Anyone else want to say bye? You got 10 seconds. Chris, the book right. guy. I'm Greg, Greg the book guy. Here next week. Jim bye. the book guy. Later. Bye, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the book guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. Okay, now the show's over. Now we can sing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't think we want to do that again. Jim's exactly right.